and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. The guys are back with another edition of the Ballpark Bums podcast, featuring your host, Cody Empty. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? And Jared Hobbs. You know what that makes you? Hurry! Molly, get Welcome back to the newest edition of the Ballpark Bums podcast. The first episode since the end of the 2016 season. I'm Cody Emke along with my good friend Jared Hobbs. Jared, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, I think I'm, I'm over how uh, the season ended by now. Uh, happy to see how it ended for the Cubs. Now we get to stop listening to the 108 years. Yeah, you know, it's been a long time for them. Congrats to uh, congrats to Madden for winning. He's a great manager. Congrats to Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist had a huge series. Been a guy. I think we've both been a pretty big fan of for a long time. Yeah. Just a great ball player, great utility player. We had a chance to meet him a few years back when Tampa Bay came to town for the playoffs. Got to meet him briefly. He's a nice guy. Good to see him have a good series. Good to see the Cubs finally get that off their back. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the unsung hero really is the guy who – ended two of the longest droughts in MLB baseball is uh, Theo Epstein. Yeah, I mean, how, how huge of an accomplishment is that? Two of the most storied franchises in MLB history. Boston and Chicago. Two of the longest World Series droughts. Two of the biggest quote-unquote curses in the ML- in sports history. And he's the guy that can come into both of them and get the job done and get them a ring. And he did it pretty much the same way with both franchises. He came in, built the farm system up first. Second, brought in his manager he did with terry francona in boston he got the guy he wanted in joe madden in chicago and it, then he ends up facing terry francona in the world series which is another story but then he goes out and he uh gets the big free agent the key free agent signings and then makes the key trades in the off or in the off season and during season to uh in both droughts Dude, when we talk about it it sounds so textbook and so easy but obviously we've seen that a lot of GMs, a lot of ownerships can't accomplish it. So for him to do it twice, it speaks volumes about his ability. I really think Theo is going to get a statue either in Boston or Chicago. Which do you think is more likely? More likely? Uh, dude, that's a hard call. We're talking for, I don't know. That's hard. You, you th- you'd like to think Boston because he did it there first. And he did multiple times. The way they won that year, too, coming back from that deficit against New York to get to the actual World Series, a huge memorable Memorable playoff, whole, whole playoff as a whole that year. And he won multiple there. It's yet to be seen what he does in Chicago. But what he did do in Chicago is he ended 108 years of misery for that city and for Cubs fans. And it is just a story in itself. Yeah, unfortunately for the team on the other side of that field that night, they are now the franchise with the longest drought in Major League in the majors. Yeah, and uh, – it really makes you appreciate what we have here in John Daniels and what he's built, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. But um, so the Rangers in the postseason, they come out, and it's a quick series. Real quick. What? Way too quick. So game one, you got Cole Hamels on the mound, and it just he doesn't have it, and the offseason or the offense is d- dead. What were you thinking after game one? And, you know, I like to hold out. I'd like to say I was holding out hope that Darvish would come in game two and shut it down and we'd get back into it. 
I honestly, I felt really defeated after that first game. We looked like we were not there to play ball all around. We gave up runs. We didn't score runs. It it really took a lot of air out of the sails that very first game. And if you look at it, I mean, the, after game one, you just had this feeling that it was done, that it was over. And you really felt like they just didn't have it. If we felt defeated, you know the team felt defeated. You'd like to think that, you know, they're Major League Baseball players, but they're human. Um, so what happened was game two, obviously, we all know what happened. Darvish comes out and pretty much he puts up an okay effort, but then the bullpen comes in and shuts it down. And you, we have a chance to win the game, come out with a split at home, and it just wasn't meant to be. And then game three was just a debacle. Um, still had a chance there at the end, but it was going to be tough to win two in Toronto and then bring it back home and take the series with even with Hamels coming back with such a lineup that Toronto has and right-handed dominant coming against lefty pitchers. It was just, you didn't feel good about it. No, you just look at it. Their whole lineup hit. Everybody hit. Everybody produced. They all went up there with game plans. They made things happen that the Rangers just didn't make happen. You know, I don't, we, there was bad baseball played, but I don't think they necessarily played bad. They just kind of didn't play. There were a lot of times that they didn't even look like they were ready to be on the field. It really hurt to it, – it hurt to watch, not just as a fan, but for those guys, just to see them in that situation after such a great season to just kind of be there. Yeah, but congrats to Toronto. You got you went out and ended up getting smoked by the Indians, which I can't say I didn't like seeing. And Bautista still got hit in the face. Yeah, and Bautista's a guy who we could possibly see in a Rangers uniform next year. But that's up for our next segment, which is – Let's run down the offseason that's officially begun. Let's let's look at a Rangers offseason preview. Start off with your uh, free agents. You got Mitch Moreland, Colby Lewis, and Carlos Gomez. I think your key guys to look at for this free the free agents you have. The other guys are just minor details. Well, you, minor details, but one of those minor details that people are going to be asking about is Ian Desmond. And we'll get to him, but I'm not feeling too good about those chances. So let's talk about these guys that really play impact in 2017. So out of those three, who do you think is the most important guy that you would like to see back in a Rangers uniform for the price he might command? You know, I really think we saw after after we made the move to pick him up, I loved what I saw out of Gomez while he was here. You know, it really looked like the beginning of a career turnaround for him. He seemed to be in a place that he wanted to be in. He loved the, you know, the clubhouse, the guys he was playing with, he looked like he was having fun playing baseball again and wasn't out there pressuring himself to produce and things like that. He said at the end of the season, you know, he'd love to come back. Money's not a huge deal for him. I think we can get Gomez on a great deal. Seeing him in our outfield, I think is a huge boost to what we do in 2017. Yeah, and I'd like to say he was speaking from the heart, telling the truth when he said that, but we've all heard that before. And then you get money whipped by somebody in the offseason and – that doesn't happen. But maybe, who knows? I do think Mitch Moreland is gone. I don't think he's back in a Rangers uniform. Um, Colby Lewis, I'd like to see back. It just depends on what the Rangers can do out there with getting more starting pitching. Can they trade? Can they get cheaper guys that they think will? Thing right now, where we're sitting right now, Colby has to come back. I don't think he has to. I mean, the moves we make, if we don't make enough, he's a guy no, we need back. No. Well, it depends on the money. He's it depends on his market and how much money he's looking at. Because if you can – Colby Lewis is not the same Colby Lewis that no, that pitched for the Rangers in two, well, 2011 uh, World Series 
and ALCS. He's not the same guy that uh, pitched that game in 2010 to get them to their first World Series oh. against the Yankees. Um, he missed a, a lot of time last year, as did many Rangers starting pitchers. So Colby's getting older. I mean, if you can get a younger guy on the same amount or even less, I think the Rangers, if they can save some money there and then spend, use it elsewhere, Colby's not a guy that I would say is a lot to come back to the Rangers. Um, I do think that Carlos Gomez is key. Um, you sign him and Desmond, and you can you got an outfield of Mazzara, Gomez, and Desmond again. Because I do think that Chu, they want him to be the primary DH next year, uh, keep him off his legs as much and um, in the lineup more often throughout the year. Uh, but if you just get Carlos Gomez and Desmond walks, then you're looking at going after another outfield bat. Yeah, you know, I think it really, as we've seen with Chu, injuries are becoming an issue. The less everyday running and, you know, sliding and banging and everything he has to do, the better for him. He's a guy we'd like to keep in the lineup as much as possible, like you said. So getting him out of the outfield, I think, is key. But if we can't bring back both guys, it does put us in a pretty tight situation with Chu. Obviously, he can still play the outfield, but health-wise, how much can he really play? And... We're sitting here talking about bringing back Gomez and as an outfielder and Colby Lewis because we need starting pitching. Well, two guys that could have solved that problem that we got rid of at the trade deadline, Luis Ortiz, one of the top pitching prospects, mm -hmm. and Lewis Brinson, your center field of the future, um, both playing in Frisco and both dealt for Jonathan Lucroy at the trade deadline, which was huge. And I still support that move because you just went from – for the first time, the Rangers have an all-around defensive and a top offensive weapon at catcher. And the Rangers actually did pick up, which was a no-brainer, they picked up Lucroy's $5.25 million uh, option for the 2017 season. Um, so he will be back. Uh, are you regretting that move, or are you happy with Lucroy? I completely am happy with Lucroy. If you missed it this past week, Lucroy's up for a Golden Glove in the National League. He's not even there anymore. He's one of the best guys. He was still one of the best guys in the National League. He wasn't even there for how long of the season? Yeah, just half the season. Half the season. He wasn't even there, and he's still one of the top options. We made a move to pick up one of the best catchers in the game. Seaman us at that position for at least one more season. Great move. I've 100% still stand behind the move that was made. Yeah, and um, another guy that they have to make a decision on who has a team option, which they have until Monday since – you get five days after the World Series ends. Uh, they have until Monday morning to make a decision if they pick up Derek Holland's $11.5 option for next year. And word is that the Rangers uh, will not keep Derek Holland on the roster for next year at $11.5 million. Uh, they've had some feelers out, and there's talk that they could pick up the option and trade him before tomorrow. Um, what do you think, if any, you could get for Derek Holland? It's it's so hard to say what you could get for Derek Holland. Four years ago, completely different story. You could almost get the world for him. The guy showed so much promise last time in, what, 2010, 2011, when we were going to World Series. But he's – we talked about Colby Lewis not being the same guy. Derek Holland is not that pitcher at all. I mean, it's he, he gets on the field, it's hard to count on him. He wasn't even on the playoff roster. We didn't. He wasn't even there with us in the playoffs. So um. – what value does he actually bring to the table in a trade? Yeah, and I think really you're looking at 
if someone just takes the contract, takes Derek, you're looking at a fringe prospect, someone that um, the Rangers actually traded to the Cubs, as, who was a fringe prospect. Hendricks actually started Game 7 mm-hmm. in uh, the World Series for the Cubs. So fringe prospects can go either way, and I trust our scouting department. But maybe the Rangers kick in some money, and they can get a better prospect or an MLB-ready player who, with a need, maybe an outfielder or starting pitcher. Um, but we'll just have to see, even if they can find it. If not, I bet they decline the uh, option and Derek becomes a free agent. Um, they also, which was another no-brainer, they tendered Ian Desmond. It's a, I think it's around that they go off of the average of the top players at his position. And I think for him, it's it will be around seventeen million if he accepts it. Uh, if not, obviously, if he signs elsewhere, we get a first-round draft pick for that or a sandwich pick, whichever, depending on which team. Um, signs him uh are you okay with if he accepts it having desmond back at one year 17 million dollars yeah i mean it seems like a lot i think he's a great player you know he had a couple rough stretches he had a couple stretches where he looked brilliant but more than anything i mean you gotta think you you gotta think that somebody's gonna offer him a nice deal a nice longer term deal and after he left all that money on the table with the Nationals, I don't see him doing it again. So, you know, the Rangers are hedging their bets. Either they bring back a solid center fielder, outfielder, or they get a pick. And that's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer on the Rangers move, no question. You either bring him back for one more year, or you get a pick. Exactly. All right. Now some of the arbitration-eligible players. Um, one of them was Sean Tolleson. He was already told that they were going to put him, opt him to the minor leagues. Instead, he elected to become a free agent, mm-hmm. which is not a huge loss. Uh, Tolson kind of fell off last last season and didn't really have a place on this team. Um, some other guys are some pitchers that you need to watch are Griffin, Deekman, and Shepers, which all probably will stick around the same amount of money or maybe even a little less just because they didn't have terrific seasons. Two guys to keep an eye on in these talks are uh, Jeremy Jeffress, who you got with Luke Roy in the trade with the Brewers, and Sam Dyson, two guys out of the bullpen. Dyson became your closer next, last year, so he really skyrocketed. And Jeffress was Milwaukee's closer, mm-hmm. and he didn't he had did great for them, but didn't do that much for us. But he will still probably get a hefty raise. Um, Jeffress is currently making five hundred nineteen thousand dollars, which is what he made last year. Projected in arbitration, he could make up to one point seven five mil. And Dyson from five hundred twenty-five thousand dollars last year could go up to somewhere between two point two five million. Um, both those guys, I think, deserve that money. So I'm not, I'm comfortable with that. What do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's fine. I think they're both, like you said, Jeffers. You know, he had his issues going on. Dyson did some good work for us. I think they're two guys that can help. You know, be a real, a real cornerstone of that bullpen. Two guys you can really count on. So you know, paying them a little more money. Both those amounts are still not astronomical. They're not things that are going to really hinder you when mm-hmm. it comes to signing free agents. So I'm fine with both of those. I think they're both quality pitchers, and I'm glad to have them on yeah. our team. And both guys, are you're going to see, I think, next year, uh, closing out games or pitching in the eight, eighth inning later in the game. Mm-hmm. And so, really, we've seen, in, especially in the playoffs, how important bullpens are, arms are. And to have two good ones who, I mean, still 1.75 and 2.25 mil is not a lot of money. So I'm okay with that. Um, another key loss is Rangers assistant general manager, 
Thad Levine going to Minnesota, one of John Daniels' right-hand man since uh, he got the job in Arlington. We already saw A.J. Perler go to San Diego and that dumpster fire that's become. He's been investigated for not releasing medical records in trades and or lying. But uh, Dad Levine's a really good guy, and I'm really happy for him. I mean, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah, at some point, you know, when you've got such quality guys in your organization, other teams are going to want them. So, uh, you know, most fans are well aware of John Daniels, what he brings to the table. But Dad Levine is probably a guy that a bunch of people know his name, but don't exactly know, you know, what he does, what he brings to the table. You know, it's hard to really put into words. Give us a quick rundown of what Thad Levine really does and what he actually brought to this team. I mean, he's another guy that he's he's out there. He's basically another scout, but he's one guy that John Daniels really trusted. So Thad's opinion on, hey, what do you think if we brought this guy up? What do you think if we traded this guy? What? I mean, that's the guy that's there to because when you're a general manager, you're making these important decisions. You want somebody you can really trust mm-hmm. by your side that uh, can make these decisions. I mean, and that's got his work cut out for him in Minnesota, but so did John Daniels when he got here. The, the difference is, I think, when John Daniels came here, he built a team, got to the World Series, and also had was in bankruptcy. The team was in bankruptcy. So then when they got the new ownership, he got money to spend on free agents. And that was really key, bringing in guys like Adrian Beltre mm-hmm. and you Darvish and stuff like that. So that's something that Thad's going to have to look at. He'll obviously have to start off by rebuilding the farm system. Yeah, obviously. I don't think Thad would have taken a job somewhere where he thought it was going to be impossible for him to make improvements and make changes. So you got to think Thad has done his homework and knows what he's getting himself into. Uh, you know, I trust him. To, I, I like to see him go up to Minnesota and do good things. You know, best of luck to him and you know, as a fan, I appreciate everything he brought to the Rangers. That's the thing, though. Good teams don't fire their general managers. So if you're getting a GM job, it's probably going to be a bad situation. Um, yep. A quick uh, point we need to make also is that the collective bargaining agreement does end on December 1st. Um, some of the key things that are going to be looked at are obviously all the uh, in-game stuff, um, maybe some of the actual um, – tendering offers and giving up first-round draft picks. If you sign that guy, I've heard that the players, it's really affecting how much money a guy gets, how much he's worth on the free agent market because teams don't want to give up draft picks. Um, So look out for that. So uh, let's go to some needs that the Rangers have. I think first base and starting pitching are your two big ones. Um, First base, I think, will probably be a guy that's already on the team, maybe a Joey Gallo, maybe a – Josh Hamilton, he's not on the team, but they've said he's coming, probably coming back. I definitely think we go into spring training, you know, J.D. could pull something out and we see something, you know, we're not even expecting. But I expect this team to go into spring training without first base lockdown with anybody. You've got Joey Gallo. You've got Josh Hamilton that the team would love to bring back on a minor league deal. Profar, salt time at first base. You know, Profar, uh, Rua, are all names I've heard thrown around that could compete for the first base spot in spring training. Now let's go to where their main focus will be and where they're probably look at filling first is starting pitching. You got Darvish, Hamels, and Perez, mm-hmm. who are probably locked down three spots. Which is it's not and, something to be mad about. No, but two solid three pitchers. Two of the guys, Darvish and Perez, are guys that are big injury risks. Um, Darvish is also what final year. Of his contract? Final year of his contract, and uh, it, we'll get into some Darvish talk in some future episodes. We uh, could probably do a whole episode on uh, Darvish. Yeah. Um, 
So how can they fill this starting pitching? Let's start off uh, the free agents. Uh, it's not a great free agent market. Um, some two guys that I've seen out there that be key to look at is Ian Nova. He pitched for Pittsburgh last year, and Jeremy Hellickson, who was I think traded at the deadline. Did he end up, or he was on the block? Or something. Yeah. Um, Nova's a guy who actually has really good numbers at the ballpark in Arlington. Um, he pitched when he was pitching for the Yankees. Uh, so two minor guys that could be four or five. But that's the good thing we're looking at. We're not the Rangers don't need to sign an ace or a number two mm-hmm. or probably even a number three right now. Guys to fill out the bottom of that uh, rotation that can be brought in on you know good deals. That's what we're looking for, and that's kind of the guys that are available. So that might work in our favor. But it also might not, because if they're the only guys available and teams are in need of upper-level pitching, you know, ace, probably not ace, but a solid two, these guys might start going for, you know, two numbers, and that'll press the Rangers out. And there's also, which we know John Daniels is a wizard at, is the trade market. Um, Santana's a guy that could be a good number three, and his he's in happens to be in Minnesota, Irvin Santana, where, where uh, one of, one of uh, John Daniels' good buddies just went. But... Then again, there's been talk how buddies trade. You know, we the Rangers in San Diego have had trade talks. It seems like every offseason, every trade deadline about somebody, and it just never happens because these guys know the farm system so well that it's hard to get pawn off the guys that you're really kind of comfortable trading when they want the guys that you're not comfortable trading. Yeah, especially when you're talking about teams like San Diego and Minnesota and things like that. They're not teams competing, so they're they're wanting to get, you know. The guys that can help them compete in two or three years. At the same time, we don't want to give those guys up to not be able to compete in two or three years. So, you know, that GM talk, that's such a slippery slope that I think goes pretty much over most of our heads. It's a lot more depth than any of us really know it is. Um, another guy who could be a good number three is Jake Odorizzi with Tampa Bay. Um, and then you've got the guys that you could look at if you want to build a rotation that's probably would be the most dominant in the AL um, is Odorizzi's teammate, Chris Archer, uh, or you go to the other team in Chicago, um, Chris Saylor, Jose Quintana. Of those three, if the Rangers had to trade, obviously Chris Saylor and Chris Archer would probably command a lot, but Quintana would probably take a lot of your mm-hmm. high-level prospects too. Uh, who's your dream guy? You know, without having, you know, contracts and numbers and years in front of me. So just going off a of name basis, you know, the easy answer is sale. I like Archer a lot, though. Archer's, Archer's good pitcher. Real interesting to think about bringing him here and putting him in that rotation. I'd, I'd really like to see that if the deal was right. Um, yeah, Chris Archer's my guy, depending on what – if Tampa wants the same for what it would take to Chris Sale, I'd rather take Chris Sale. But Archer's a guy I'd want. Uh, Chris Sale – one of the most dominant pitchers in the uh, Major League Baseball, but um, it's going to take. I've heard it's going to be what it took to get a starting pitcher in the trade deadline. I heard it's going to take even more. Yeah, that's what if I remember right. When there were talks about the Rangers going after Sale at the trade deadline, they were talking about like our top four prospects, yeah. guys like Mazzara and Gallo and Profar off the table, plus three other guys. And and now since the free agent market for starting pitchers so weak, it's just going to take a lot. So, but it's something to keep your eye out on. Um, so another thing that's coming up that's key to this Rangers offseason is the new stadium. The uh, city of Arlington and their citizens will vote on uh, approving the stadium or not. And you did a little research on it and decided uh, came up with some things. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk going back and forth about the stadium. 
people not okay with it, people okay with it. I think it comes down to this. You got to look at it. The only people who get to decide this is the city of Arlington citizens. And unfortunately, there's been it's kind of been it's been said now. Ten percent of fans that go to games over the course of the season are Arlington residents. Mm-hmm. Most people are not coming from inside the city, and there these people that are living in the city and not going to the games. There's people deciding about this new stadium. The biggest thing about the new stadium is it's getting a roof, retractable roof. But in July, on Saturday afternoon, the Rangers can play a game that's not 125 degrees. Yep. Which we we guys might not want to say it. But it's hard to sign free agents to come play in Texas because it's 120 degrees in July on that field. They don't want to do it. Pitchers especially, it wears guys out. So getting a roof is a huge deal. The Rangers' current lease at Globe Life Park is set to run out in 2024. This new deal could get them in a roofed stadium by 2021. You're looking at a four- to five-year discrepancy in how long it takes the Rangers to get a climate-controlled stadium, which could directly affect the quality of player they can bring. The other big thing, I think, is there's no new taxes for the people of Arlington. Yeah. The citizens of Arlington get no new taxes. And that's where a lot of people are uneducated about. You're, the citizens, or not even just citizens, anybody that goes into Arlington to pay for anything, the over two million Ranger fans that go to Arlington a season, they're paying already. Half a 1% tax on all sales tax already for Cowboys Stadium, for AT&T Stadium. And we all know how much that brings to the city. All it does is extend that out for 30 more years. It's pennies on the dollar. that It's half pennies on the dollar that you're paying. Another thing that people don't realize, Ballpark in Arlington, Globe Life Parks, it's a beautiful stadium. We all love it. And that's a, a lot of people are complaining because it's so new. There's only 10 stadiums older Yeah. now. Everybody else has been redone already. Everybody else has built, you know, based on based on new studies and new technologies and things like that. But you got to also look at there's I can think of two off the top of my head at stadiums that are older that will probably won't get a new stadium anytime soon. Wrigley and Fenway. Yeah, but that's because they're classic relics yeah. of baseball. All the other ones um, in Anaheim and things like that have seen massive, massive reconstruction and you know updates i mean oakland's tried to get a new stadium forever that place is a crap hole the two the, the two that are older that really need to go are in oakland and with the race yes both those are older and need to go but that's not my argument those cities can do it yeah you we're looking at a chance this we're, we're in a five six year span of the best the rangers have ever been and putting in a new stadium that some people are projecting with the stadium and the new construction that's planned to go around with it could bring four billion dollars to the city of arlington yep I spoke to you know a friend of mine who's a resident in the city of Arlington. Early voted last week. Voted yes. Him and his wife both. No question. He said it's a no-brainer. Okay, they bring so much. They bring so many people in. The Rangers, the Cowboys are there now. Yes, but for you know so long, the Rangers have been Arlington. That is the the Rangers are synonymous with this. Yeah, like when the Cowboys are on, the Cowboys they say they're they're the Dallas Cowboys. So they say welcome back to Dallas, Texas. When the Rangers are on. Everybody knows Arlington. It's in Arlington. Everybody knows it. And I, I think it would be foolish for the people to vote no. Because if they vote no now, I think it's almost a guarantee that the Rangers will not stay in Arlington. Oh, no. Set leases up. Dallas, Frisco. Both they, have public trans- yeah, transit. Places that can actually cater 
to the fan base. Arlington's getting a gift, almost. Yeah, they're letting the Rangers out of the lease early to get a new stadium, but Arlington gets the gift of the Rangers being there, and I think it would be foolish to throw that away. I mean, think about it this way. The Cowboys, yeah, they bring in a lot of money, but they're playing one day a week, and they're only playing there. If you count preseason, what, that's two maybe games? It's ten, it's ten games. Ten games. Not counting postseason. So opposed to what, 80, 81, 81 plus postseason. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's a no-brainer, but I don't I don't live in the city of Arlington. I don't get to vote. I'd rather them stay in Arlington because I doubt they're going to come west. I think if they do move, it'll be east. Yeah. So um, let's go ahead and talk about this year. We do have uh, – we get baseball back a little early with the World Baseball Classic um, set to start in March. Preliminary rosters are out. Quick uh, update. There's no Mike Trout, no Bryce Harper. Um, Chris Sale is on it, a guy the Rangers are looking at. And Luke Roy is on the preliminary roster. Now, this is 50 guys, so they're going to dwindle that down. These are just 50 guys that they've gotten a yes, a a soft commitment from. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously, they would have to go back to them and ask them when they decide if they want this guy on the for sure roster. Um, Luke Roy is on the preliminary roster. Another catcher on there is Buster Posey. I do think if Posey's on the team, Luke Roy would be the backup, depending on who you get to play first base, because I think uh, Posey could play some first base. Um, but I think if it's any other catcher in Luke Roy, I think Luke Roy's a starter. Yeah, I mean, both guys are great. Love to see both of them playing. Yeah, and um, quick note, the U.S. will start its first round in Miami um, in early March, and then if they advance, two teams from their pool will advance to the second round to play in San Diego from March 14th through the 19th. And then if they make that, they go to the final uh, round in Los Angeles. That's It will be slated to play from the 20th of March to the 22nd. But uh, we're going to have a special World Baseball Classic episode coming up, a bonus episode. Uh, we'll get that out there sometime in the next couple of weeks with our roster predictions, the team we'd like to see run out there, a realistic one, and uh, some summaries of the other teams in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, we'll sit down. I think we'll both bring to the table guys we want to see. You know, I think there's going to be a bunch of obvious picks. I think we'll both have some wild cards that the other guys aren't really considering. I think it'll be a fun episode to talk about and debate. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Uh, this is really where you get to play fantasy, kind of <laughs> real fantasy baseball. You get to – it brings back the Olymp- – it's like picking the Olympic team. Yeah, you're picking the best of the best. Because baseball is coming back to the Olympics, though. So, but the, during that, it's more uh, younger guys that are in the minors mm-hmm. and stuff. So, it, yeah. we'll see. Um, well, that'll about do it for this one. Uh, next week's episode, we'll go in more depth of the offseason. We'll be back weekly, uh, this year. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we will. The baby's here. I don't, you know, I'm not yeah. preparing for a baby this we, year, so I think we're good. We kind of got, had a, uh, Jared got a little busy, so we both were a little busy, so we had to, f- uh, fall off a little bit during this 2016 season, but we're back for good this time. Um, we'll get you some, next week's episode, we'll have some detail. Uh, the GM meetings start on Monday. Which there probably won't be much. Like, you know, a lot of people think the season's over. You know, they're sad because baseball's not being played. It's one of the most exciting times for the of the year. I think for both of us. You know, we love tracking mm-hmm. these meetings and tracking where guys are going and kind of predicting about what teams are going to do what. It's an exciting time if you really pay attention. So you know, if you listen to us every week, we'll keep you updated on what's going on with all that, and you can you know be part of the excitement with us. Yeah, this GM meeting is more the where you put out feelers and stuff. Uh, it's really after this, more later November, and then the winter meetings winter in DC meeting. That's when you come home and turn on MLB Network every day because that's when it all goes down. But we'll also get a decision on Holland, which will come tomorrow on Monday. Um, 
we'll have that for you. And we'll have a new president by then and know the vo- how the voting turned out for the stadium. Yeah, next week, you know, we'll get to talk about what's going on with the new stadium. Hopefully, you know, it's looking good from the early poll numbers, but anything can happen. I'm excited to see what happens with that. Um, what about the president? You didn't mention that. No, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm over. I'm ready to be over. All right. Well, that'll do it, folks. Uh, tune in next week for some more offseason preview as we uh, see what players will be on this 2017, hopefully, World Series champion Rangers squad. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, two weeks ago I was sad. Now I'm excited again. Let's make it happen. I'm ready to see what goes on. All right. I'm Cody Emke. That's Jared Hobbs. We are out. <laughs>